The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. here present wearing his 21st century glasses but not a 20 19th century glass eye (laughs) sean fritz balling make it rubbing elbows with big namers well big namers back in is jim shooter still a big name would you consider him big he's a key he's a dude that when you say the name people like oh okay jim shooter that's respectable yeah he was in he was the cover story of american sniper right no <laughs> no yeah jim shooter um marvel editor-in-chief for long time a ago long time uh, during, during, yeah during its heyday dude during during the time when comics were kind of you know they weren't as cool as they're, they're looked at now right like you were considered a nerd reading comics back then but it is considered like the golden time of comics the time when when like i don't know everything seemed much better than it is today you still following so, comics? You still reading? I'm still buying them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I kind of stopped because it was like, "Hey, you still reading?" I was like, "Well, I'm still buying them." Yeah, I, I'm I mean, still going and picking up a stack every week. Well, I go probably once every six weeks now. I mean, there's some that I still read. Like, I will still read the Power Rangers ones okay. because they're actually really solid. Okay. Uh, and because I pr- sometimes do a podcast with two of my friends, yeah. uh, Power Rangers in cyberspace, perhaps you've heard me say it before. And beyond that, like, I don't know why I still do it. I buy, they so, okay. So they just started putting out The Walking Dead since it, re- it ended like two years ago. Yeah. And they just started putting it out in color. I don't know why I'm buying them. Why? Why though? Because I don't have, I have. Well, like, why do? Why are they putting it on color? What's the point to that? Just more because money? you can charge four ninety nine for it now, and they're well, in color. The fuck the idea of them being black and white was kind of the cool draw, right? Now in at color. the time, because it was different. Mm. But if you can cash in twice on the same thing, not including Mine's TV, well, right? Yeah, I mean, you're in on it. You're you're in. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: like, I don't have issues up to like I have some key issues. Uh, uh, within the one to a hundred, but I don't have the original run gotcha. and I'm not going to be able to afford the original run until the show soon. is well over. So, you know, I figure why not just flush it out that way. Gotcha. Although gotcha. I have the trades for issues one through 96, like gotcha. compendiums rather. And that's our comic book podcast. Uh, we'll be back after this break with the movie review podcast. <laughs> I can't hear you, dude. What happened to your sound? I hit mute. 
it's like old times talking about comic books (laughs) yeah it is dude it totally is but this is a movie review podcast this time uh we're coming back to talk more gangs last week we talked about the warriors classic classic comic book based yes comic themed rather very very comic booky style movie this one i mean i could see this movie we saw being made into a graphic novel Mm -hmm. definitely Um, with the proper treatment i'm thinking like Alan Moore's a little too out there with it, but I'm thinking um, Frank Miller maybe yeah, could do a good yeah. job with this one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, this time we're, we're we're sticking with gangs, but we're going back. We're going back to the olden days. We're going to the early days of New York City, 1860s. Yeah, 1860-something. I believe it begins in the 1848. 18- yeah, there you go. 1848. Six. Six. 1846. We're talking gangs in New York. Anything in your pockets tonight? Oh, I ain't started working yet. What about that locket that I gave you? (laughs) Enough of this heathen music! This is a night for Americans! That's the building of our country right there, Mr. Cutting. Americans are borning. I don't see no Americans. I see trespassers. His name's Amsterdam. The appearance of the law must be upheld. Especially while it's being broken. A man who will fight for freedom. There's more of us coming off these ships every day. 15,000 Irish a week. A man who will kill for power. Mulberry Street and Worth. Cross and Orange and little water. Each of the five points is a finger. When I close my hand, it becomes a fist. Bricks, bats, axes, knives. Pistols? No, pistols. Good boy. I give you my word. This will all be finished tomorrow. No, it won't. Scorsese 2002 classic actually it was supposed to come out 2001 and yeah, uh, September 11 might, happened might have put yeah well and we'll talk about it later too but you know toward the end of the movie where they do that that uh, oh yeah where they do the uh, the the aging with CG yeah. where they go from bays to all the way up to the buildup of New York City skyline and then at the end there the, and they just the hold on that shot yeah which yeah, yeah, yeah. was probably on, I mean, I mean, you talk about different movies that were impacted by 9-11, like the Spider-Man movie, the original yeah. Tobey Maguire, where they mm-hmm. had to take out that whole scene that was in the original trailer. Yeah. Where he puts the big web in between the 
towers you know, with a helicopter in between the towers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so gangs of New York, Martin Scorsese film. You had never seen this before. Correct. Did you know? Well, I mean, I guess, I'm sure you did know you looked ahead of, ahead of time, but uh, oh, you didn't never, know that this was going to be a five and a half hour epic. Not until I started the movie. I was like, oh, wow, this is long. <laughs> yeah. Did you break it up or did you watch it all at once? Uh, all at once. But when we were going to record last week in the yeah. evening, um, I guess it was Monday because it yeah. was a holiday. Uh, I'm like, oh, well, Chris and I are going to record at eight. So we'll sit down at like 530. That'll give me enough time, you know, to, you know, we'll, we'll have dinner during it. And then I'll just have a little bit of time so I can, you know, kind of fully, uh, you know, flush it back through my brain. And then um, I'm like, oh, I'll be late. <laughs> and then you're like, yep, no, not going to happen tonight anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an epic. It's basic. It is an epic. Martin Scorsese dives deep into historical pieces of what it was like in the early days of New York City in this movie. So um, let's get right into the plot, dude. The idea behind this is basically a documentary. You know, he's documenting, not really documentary. He's he's showing us fictionalized version of some historical things that happened back then. Uh, Basically, the start of the city a specific area of the city called the five points where certain all these you know streets kind of merged into this this one intersection it's no longer there right now it's it's all split up by actual buildings now but uh back in the day it was an intersection it looked like, like when we were watching it i thought it might have been like what became times square right yeah it, it's it, got that it's, look it's not it's, it's chinatown it's that it's kind of it has this like open square look where the points meet mm-hmm. you know back then uh, the idea is, is it's in the 1800s, you know, we're already established as a country and we're actually in the th- about to go to war. We're about to the civil war is about to break out. And um, we're focusing on this small kind of section of New York City and the things that were happening at the time and how history impacted this little area as well. So we have immigrants coming into the city. So, you know, this is a time when you see heavy Italian, uh, you know, and Eastern Europeans coming off. But this is also the time where we see the huge migration of Irish immigrants coming over because of the famine, the potato famine at the time. So they're all coming over to America to try to make a better life for themselves. You have people who have been, who were born in this country now, right? Like they're no longer the immigrants. They're the first and second generation children of the original immigrants. And they look at this land as their land. And they look at anybody else coming in now as outsiders. Like you don't belong here kind of a thing. During this time, you know, this area was considered a, a very kind of poor, low, you know, low area of the city. The squalor was was horrible. In actual history books, it's written um, about, you know, this, how bad this area was. Um, there's a scene in this movie, dude, I don't, if you remember where John C. Riley's character, the, the officer was leading people through like they were on a tour showing mm-hmm. them what this what the, the neighborhood was like. That really happened back in those days. Um, Charles Dickens took one of those tours and actually wrote about it, famously wrote about the squalor and how the five points just it was almost like another level of hell. Um, because just, you know, the, the crime, people dying in the streets and, and it was just it was absolutely abhorrent, the things they saw. But this is the time that this is happening. And in this time, 
you have these different immigrants, you know, these groups of people that are all trying to live together and, and make a, make a life for themselves. And just like we've seen in all of these other kind of gangster films of the past, when the immigrants come over is they have to band together for survival, right? Like they, the police aren't going to protect them. And there's other, 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 you know, groups of people that are coming in and banding together for themselves. So if you're going to survive, you have to kind of be a part of a gang. And that's what happens here in New York. There are a whole number of gangs. A lot of them are affiliated with natives. A lot of them, the other side are all affiliated with immigrants. It's very interesting to see that part of it too. Like, you're either on it's it's literally one side or the other and right. that is it right right um but then we have the other criminals the other gangsters right we're talking about politicians this is a time when politics i mean this is not blatant. this is not a current thing so it's hard for people to relate to this chris yeah i was gonna say i mean it's still happening right the, the corruption in politics is still a thing but this is back when it was blatant like mm -hmm. absolutely blatant it's out there in the open if you pay enough you get what you want right and so mm -hmm. this is happening this isn't the time uh if if you're a student of history then you'll recognize the term tammany hall the corruption of of the politics in new york at the time um city uh, you know municipals and, and state and, and all of these kind of crazy politicians that were vying for control over this area this metropolitan area and so they enlisted the helps of the gangs. They enlisted the helps of the gangs to to run the fire departments, to to make sure they got voters to the polls, to ensure that, you know, that they're keeping crime there and not spreading up to Fifth Avenue where a lot of the richer people lived. You know what I mean? They want to keep them in one spot. They want to also further their own agenda, the politicians. Right. This is the world we live in. This is the world that's happening in this movie. And now what we're doing in this movie is we're focusing, the plot focuses on Leonardo DiCaprio's character. As a young child, he witnesses his father uh, and the men of, of, you know, who came from Ireland all kind of take part in a huge battle between a bunch of the, the immigrant gangs and the native gangs. Native gangs are led by a man named Bill the Butcher, right? Played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, and his his thinking is, look, we're natives. You guys, we're pure. You don't belong here. Uh, you need to get out, and we'll we'll kill you to get you out of here. And the immigrants say, hey, we're coming here, and we have a right to try to make a life for ourselves without you messing with us. So we'll kill you to make sure we can do that. And these two groups go to war. I mean, it's a brutal kind of it's it's knives, axes, hatchets, claws, you know, chains, whatever they can get their hands on. No guns but just strictly all out war between these things, these gangs. DiCaprio as a child sees his father uh, murdered by the leader uh, of the natives. Bill the Butcher murders his father and then the boy runs off and we find out later on, he ends up in an orphanage at some point and ends up growing up 16 years later and to come he back. He was in jail, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a, a, a it was kind of like a jail, but it's a home for boys kind of a thing. It's like an mm -hmm. orphanage home for boys, but yeah, it's basically like a jail. He got picked up for, it's like, like a pickpocketing or some, some garbage crap or like that. Um, so he returns to the five points now as a, as an older man with the intention to kill the butcher. That's what he's going to do. He wants to get in there and kill the butcher. And he falls in with some of the people that he knew as part of the gangs back when his dad was around, but he's also realizing some people moved on. John C. Riley plays uh, a guy that was part of the Irish gangs who is now uh, a cop. He's a cop that walks the beat and basically enforces 
what the politicians want. You know, he mm-hmm. basically he's turned his his back on the people he used to run with. Um, one of the dead rabbits, that's the original gang, Irish gang, just completely defected, and he now he, he like he's like the lackey. He's a lackey mm-hmm. for Bill the Butcher, right? And it's kind of a shameful thing. Um, but it's overall, almost like he keeps him around as a trophy. Yeah, like hey, don't forget, right? Look what they what I did. Um, oh, basically, what's happening when he comes back? He realizes the gangs are still happening, but all of them answer to Bill the Butcher now. Like he mm-hmm. just basically runs this place, and no one realizes who this kid is except for one of these. You know, one of the guys. He realizes who he is because he's like, you know, I, when you were a kid trying to run away from them, I was the one that helped you run away. Mm-hmm. So he's the only one who knows who who DiCaprio's character really is. Through this movie, you know, through circumstance, Bill the Butcher ends up taking DiCaprio's character under his wing and starts to kind of show him how to run the city, how to how, how to be part of the criminal things that they do in the city. Uh, and, and he's a big part of it. They do all kinds of illegal boxing, all kinds of stuff right going on. And he's a big part of this. It's almost like Bill the Butcher has now become a father figure to him. Well, he's also setting up his heir apparent. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how he looks at him. He's like, you know, you're the guy who could run this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, and then the, the whole point, though, DiCaprio wants to kill this guy. And he knows the way to kill him is going to be on the year and the anniversary of his father's death. Because there's a celebration. The natives celebrate this guy's death with this huge, like, you know, there's a show going on. There's music. There's entertainment. And every time the the butcher does a specific shot in honor of, you know, the fallen uh, priest and it's a flaming shot. And so DiCaprio has this plan. It's a, it's a flaming Mo. Is it real? (laughs) No, but but I mean, it it would be, it would be hilarious. Did you see the size of the flame coming off of that thing? I'm like, what the, I've never seen a flame that high come off of an out, a shot. Let's, let's be, so let's be honest here. Alcohol before any liquor control board was established was pretty much just like true you could have like who knows what was in there yeah like you could put kerosene dude more or less i mean i i wouldn't doubt it yeah people died from poisoning because of the stuff wasn't wasn't pure or was made you know or was too good you know too pure too too much alcohol yeah uh but yeah the idea is is every year he has this shot in memory and dicaprio says this is when i'm going to kill him and that's, you know, the, during the plot, we follow him along as he's being guided by Bill the Butcher until this day comes. Mm-hmm. And he decides he's going to go for it anyway, except Bill the Butcher knows. He already knows he's going for it because just a few you know days before that, he was told by DiCaprio's quote unquote friend, the one who saved him when they were kids. So, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, he's, he's here to avenge the death of his father. So uh, Bill the Butcher is ready for him. And decides he wants to teach him a lesson, right? He, he he kind of he stabs the shit out of him, flays him up a little bit and says, you know, these are not kills. These are legit to make sure you live. I want you to remember, you know, and anyone else, too, who decides to step up. I want them to remember what happens. He's, he's an example. Yeah. And then he's got to do it again, right? So DiCaprio's like, well, fuck it. We're going to take them all out the way we should have done it. The old school way, you know, the way we used to do it back in the day when we went to war. And they go for it. The gangs all come out and go to war. Interesting that they had a war council, like a like a like a meeting, yeah. a, almost yeah. like a summit, to yeah. decide the rules, like right. gentlemen. Well, they were like that's what they were talking about, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what I, I think earlier one of the things that um, when it first starts that first battle, 
uh, Bill the Butcher goes on to say something according to the ancient laws of war. So it's like, mm-hmm. look, we understand how to do this. Let's do this the right way. Um, and that was one of the things I think I kind of liked about the character. But we'll get into that later when we get into into the actors and the characters they played. Uh, but yeah, this is the film. This is the the idea is 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 the early days in New York, the gangs that were a part of the building of New York. You know, um, the dirt, the grime, the kind of dark ugly underside of what you don't normally see when you see in the history books and uh it's fictionalized you know but a lot of it is very much real like the character of bill the butcher is a real guy he didn't die the way he does in this movie um he also wasn't as um i I don't know over the top as he was in this movie but he was a real guy he was a guy who was a part of these gangs he was a guy who used his knives in these fights and he was also a politician who made sure you know to to uh to kind of underscore the fact that you know politicians and criminals are usually one in the same there's there's a they're one in the same but there's two sides to that coin one yeah. does it publicly and one does it mm-hmm. in backroom deals exactly um but that is the plot dude for a two and uh, almost three hour movie how'd you feel man how'd you feel after seeing that plot well i mean you covered in broad strokes as long as it was the pro- the plot the general overtone, you know, the general through line, but there mm-hmm. are smaller little subplots like the civil war riots, yeah. uh, or specifically the draft, you know, yeah. uh, the, the, you know, Ellis Island wasn't a thing for another 40, almost 40 years. Right. So, you know, and, and it is based on a book, a historical book of yeah. the gangs within New York, but it was just interesting to see, you know, that that plot yes it's 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 basically a revenge plot mm-hmm. but it's revenge See, from the inside and then you've you know you put out the call and then it's an outwardly yeah. revenge as you said it's kind of um, like i was telling i was trying to explain it to somebody else i was like i was like it's kind of like if you look at titanic right titanic was supposed to be a lot of historical things in it that you look at and it's oh this is historic and this is this this except but it, for the a, stars according yeah, to neil degrasse a, tyson <laughs> all the stars in the sky did he literally pause the sky to look at that and be like hey that's not when, the correct constellation that should not be there well because twitter is a thing uh when james <laughs> cameron was announcing that he was re-releasing yeah uh titanic in the theaters a couple years back he said your stars are way wrong. It's the wrong time of year for for these to sh- to be shown. And so, guess what? James Cameron he fixed did. it. He fixed it in the of re-release. Of course he would. Of course he would, dude. Uh, yeah, but you know the idea is is that's a very historical feeling film. Mm-hmm. But that movie is really a romance, right? That's yeah. the story of it. Is this romance? This is the story of revenge set in an, in history, right? You spoke mm-hmm. of Civil War drafts. I didn't know they had drafts for the Civil War. I had no clue that's how it went. I thought it was just kind of like, hey, we're all going to fight for our country or we're going to fight for creating our own country kind of a thing. I didn't realize it was kind of like, I don't care about this. And they're like, well, you got to fight. What do you mean? I don't want to fight. You got 300 bucks. No, you're fighting. Certain places were more willing than others, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crazy though. Um, the other thing was, yeah, the draft riots that happened. That was an actual, uh, a factual thing that mm-hmm. happened. And, and, and it actually starts to break out at the very kind of end of the, at the, at the end of this movie during that thing, you, we see this, this unfold, but yeah, there's a lot more going on. There's the, the, you know, you get a feel for what it was like to, um, be a woman in the profession that Cameron Diaz was in at the time, right? Like she, 
she was known kind of for being a woman of the streets. She was also a pickpocket, but then you got kind of like the, the, the inside story for her when she talked about her relationship with Bill the Butcher and, and how that came, you know, came down. And when you think about those days, dude, those days and just kind of like how unforgiving and rough life really was, right? Like you, you could, you could be born to like a prostitute and a, a criminal, and then you're just kind of out there learning how to survive in, in orphanages and in the streets. And uh, yeah, it was, it's crazy. Um, but it's civil, like I said, civil war, all of these things are happening historically. It's kind of cool too, to see the five points. Cause if you go there now, you see all these big buildings, skyscrapers, neighborhoods, you know, not, back then these kind of ramshackle buildings and shanties that are just kind of all kind of leaning all together. And it's, and it's, different areas have different kinds of remember there was one area where it was all like the cross-dressing men you know that were all prostitutes and then there's an area where it's all the chinese the chinese immigrants that were there and and the opium dens and i mean it's 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 kind of cool to see that in terms of the historical aspect the let's not forget the underground whatever was going on in that you know that uh housing development all underground which is can't be good for your psyche and what about that thing that was like a scaffold of layer and layer like floor after floor of just like but inside or underground all just like every time i you know what it felt like it felt like an animatronic scene on a disney ride that's what it felt Mm. like because what i did is i focused on one section where this dude looked like he was beating his woman right yeah and then they just kind of stopped and did this other thing and then it did it was like they were on repeat doing the same thing over and over i was like hold on a second is this like a Hmm. animatronic ride am i gonna hear it's a small world as i'm I'm floating by you know what i mean all of a sudden the pirates of the caribbean start you know there's a pirate ship that comes flying by (laughs) I want to see that Disney ride, right? The five points in New York, mm. the 1860s. No, or, thank you, man. Um, but yeah, dude. So for you, for a first timer, a lot happening in this, but overall the mm-hmm. plot is a straight, straightforward plot. A revenge it, it, it's, plot. it's very linear as well. So that, that, I mean, there's not a, if they do change timeframes or flashbacks or whatever, it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, well, what's going on here? I mean, the only thing that the only time you say that is when the scene starts and you're like, well, why are they all underground? You know, the beginning of the movie, why are they all underground? Are they invading something? Are they on a ship? What's, yeah, what's, what's going what's on? What's the deal here? And then like, is it like uh, that the, that there's, when he says to the guy with the, with the club, which is a gigantic bone, by the way, <laughs> I wouldn't mess with that thing or guy. Uh, it's, it's like, are they, is he the gatekeeper of this town? Like, and then after, after that, you're like, oh, they're just leaving a building effectively. You know, there's a shop front, but the, that, so, so the linear, the, the the chronology of it being linear is great uh, and very easy to follow because it is so long. However, here's what I got to hung up on the most: I would want a shower, a lot. <laughs> they don't have them there. That's the thing, right? And I think that's what they're showing us: how grimy and dirty and just nasty everything was. And Bill throwing meat on people and oh, uh, God, I'm, I'm not yeah. a fan of E. coli. By just wrap it up in a newspaper and throw it. Here you go. Have the best cut of meat. Uh, mm. That scene you were referencing when they're coming from the undergrounds, right? Like the cellar areas and then up in because, and, and that's a cool thing too, that he's showing us is that that's still around. You can go down to in, in New York city and some of these cellars have these fake walls that they've built up in front of, you know, caverns and tunnels mm. and things that connect each other from underground. And 
I love that scene though. That the 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 drumming, everything's so loud mm-hmm. and everything's coming, coming. He busts that door open and then it's just this serene, quiet, quiet winter scene. You know what I mean? And it's just fresh like, snow. What's no about one's to go there. Down. Yeah, yeah. It, it is the quiet before the storm. It is, it is. And then yeah, what a storm it is. Let's get into the actors, dude. Because this movie, you're not going to have the kind of movie you have here. I mean, sure, it looks nice. Like, the, the setting looks good. You know, all that kind of stuff's happening. But you're not going to get what we get without these actors and the performances mm. they put in. But there are also some things to question here. <laughs> mm. Let's get into this. Let's start with Leonardo DiCaprio. I Are you a fan of him? Um, I'm a fan of his work. Uh, I will say that uh, I don't know him personally, so I don't, I, I try not to be like, <laughs> I try not to say like, yeah, oh yeah, you know, yeah, we start... used to hang out back in the nineties and you know, he was kind yeah, of a yeah. you know. his work, dude, you, you're a fan of his work. Um, so I really liked the departed. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Um, I'm going to say that he is not as good with accents as other actors can be, especially in this movie, how he balanced between what three, four I accents. Know. I don't know, but I don't know if that was, a character like the choice of the character to indoctrinate himself better with some people versus others probably the what i took from that because i got to tell you this happens a lot through this film people in their accents right but what i took from that and he went out of his way the character did to really kind of especially when he was questioned by bill the butcher in terms of mm-hmm. you're irish too right and he says he's grown up here like he grew up and he's more this and i took it that way that we heard the losing of the accent here and there because he's really kind of like i grew up here you know i was a kid and i grew up here away from all the irish so i didn't have that in my ear all the time so he does fall in and out of that accent and i know exactly what you mean because that's one of the things that kind of bothers me but for leo dicaprio dude for me I agree. I like a lot of his work, but it's because of the overall piece. Like The Departed's a phenomenal film. Is it because of his acting? No, but it's a phenomenal film, right? Rick Nicholson's in that movie too. So Yeah. Uh, Titanic was a good film too, but is it because of his acting? Not all of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like DiCaprio is one of these guys who... But hold on. Growing the same was good because he was in the latter seasons. <laughs> The only time I've ever really felt like I saw DiCaprio and I was like, wow, like this is what this is why you've got to look at this guy as an actor is eating Gilbert Grape. You know, when he plays that character with the mental health, like that mental disability, like he totally comes across like he does. And that's the job of an actor, right? To act, to make Mm -hmm. you believe that they are something that they're not. In this movie, in in Titanic, in The Departed, in Romeo and Juliet. I mean, start naming as many as you can. He's the same kind of character. It's the um, same. There's no range in in how he changes the way he represents grief or the way he represents anger or anything. Like, there's no change in it, right? But if you give me five different people, they're all going to show me those emotions differently. He shows it the same way every single time he plays a character, and that's the thing that kind of drives me nuts. And that's why for me, I was just kind of like, eh. I mean, he does good in this. Don't get me wrong, but in the departed though i mean he was very like uptight because or he was very nervous and had a lot of anxiety because he was undercover and he was yeah. only answering to martin Sh- true, uh, martin true. short cheese martin sheen that's a different <laughs> movie by the way um 
but uh, I mean, in in Django Unchained, I mean, he was very arrogant. That's true. That is true. See, that's the, maybe that's the thing. I think. But I that's feel a newer like movie. Those than... are also characters, right? Like, there's more character to that that mm -hmm. character than this. This feels like a kind of like a generic kind of character. So when it almost feels like when he has roles that could be generic, he plays it as Leonardo DiCaprio pretending to be that character. Whereas if he's given a character that is feels like a well-rounded character, he can maybe, you know, I don't know. For me in this movie, I felt like, eh, you know, not that he doesn't do a good job in this. It just felt like a, it's Leonardo DiCaprio doing this. I don't see him as an Irish immigrant who dealt with the things he's dealing with. True. You know? I mean, that makes sense. Whereas when you see some other actors in this film, you're like, Jesus Christ, you know, the kind of performances they put in. And I'm not talking about Cameron Diaz. Dude, mm -mm. what was up with Cameron Diaz, bro? Are you a fan of her work? Uh, well, Cameron Diaz has retired, so she's not a fan of her work. Uh, I just well, feel like, is it me or is it I'm not seeing the, mo the movies I should see her in? Because for me, there's zero depth at all in terms well, of the way she acts at least with this character it's just cameron diaz if you want to see with a horrible a movie accent where, if you want to see yeah that's true too <laughs> that fell in and out all the time you could hear her speaking just normal american yeah. and then back to the irish little lilt in her in her voice if you want to see a movie where cameron diaz is shouldn't have been considered watch night and day <laughs> with tom cruise oof no it, thanks it's not good. I mean, the whole thing is not good. Um, but let's not forget, her first movie was The Mask with Jim Carrey. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it feels like everything she's ever really... Anything about Cameron Diaz, and I don't get... Like, I'm not disparaging her. You know, I'm sure she tries. But to me, I don't buy what she's putting across. To me, Cameron Diaz is always supposed to be, you know, the pretty woman on the screen. The one that's supposed to be the mm -hmm. interest for somebody. Uh, 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 uh. Well, those are two different things sometimes. Case in point, Shrek, Shrek 2, and oh, so yeah. on. <laughs> well, voice acting doesn't, doesn't count. Dude. Voice <laughs> acting doesn't count. But like, you know, even, even like romantic comedy, you ever seen The Holiday with Kate Winslet where mm -hmm. they, they switch homes, right? They're both going through breakups and they switch homes, one in America, one in, in England. And it's, it just feels like every time I see Cameron Diaz, it's rom-com it's rom-com she was supposed Diaz. to be irish in that movie too right uh no she's american in that movie but in this movie she's oh supposed it says to be. iris not irish okay <laughs> misread in this that movie part. she's supposed to be irish and that accent was was rough dude it was yeah. rough how about that um liam neeson dude so this is before liam neeson became liam neeson that everyone knows today as liam neeson i'm gonna go on a limb and say though his irish accent's pretty good you know, I had a, I'd questioned it though because it, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it's almost over the top though. Like he's putting on he puts even more of an Irish because, but it makes sense, right? Because he's coming from the original kind of mm -hmm. like before more Americanized and, and you know, even modern versions of Irish accents. I think taking someone straight from Ireland is going to sound different from somebody from Ireland in the 1800s. Must have had a rougher texture to it, you know. I can see that. And, you know, being someone who is, you know, a violent priest, which is a hilarious phrase. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, I guess there's more, um, I don't know, there's He's, more reason for him to be that, that, uh, but there's that not thick much with his him. accent. But there's not much for him here. 
right there. Mm. He's in this very little. Um, and that's what I was saying. This is before he became who he became because after his taken movies, now people look at Liam Neeson as, Oh, it's Liam Neeson. Right. Anthony had never seen this movie, our friend, Anthony. And mm. I was, I was showed him a scene at the very beginning, you know, when they, when, when they, for the two gangs kind of confront each other and the, the, you know, the laws of war and all this stuff. And Anthony goes, Oh, Liam Neeson's in this. I was like, yeah, enjoy it. It's a Liam Neeson movie. Sure. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Watch yeah. it. <laughs> it's a Liam Neeson vehicle. Absolutely. It's like Drew Barrymore in Scream, dude. He's not lasting <laughs> past that opening sequence, man. Um, but yeah, so he's in this and it's 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 he's in this and he does what he has to do in this role. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. He, There's he basically much. stirs the pot and his death is the launching point for the rest of the movie. Exactly. Uh, John C. Riley. You were not expecting to see John C. Riley in this. No, well, so that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I know John C. Riley has had a longer career than, yeah, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, to now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there are some stepbrothers. Ridic- yeah, yes, I mean, there are some ridiculous movies and things in his movies that he has done. Uh, I'm thinking about Dewey Cox. Yeah. And his and his Bob Dylan face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he just strings a whole bunch of words and phrases together. <laughs> but check this out. His first movie was. Above the law, above the law with with is Steven that, uh, Seagal. Steven Seagal, yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus, that was but, his first movie. Yeah, but here here's the other thing though. His fourth movie, Days of Thunder. I see that. I also see he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, how about that? Interesting. I knew he was in Boogie Nights, um, Magnolia, Thin Red Line. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff, man. I mean, he's in a lot of good movies. You know, Perfect Storm, uh, this movie, Chicago, which is. I, I don't know. Is this? It's not similar to this movie at all. Never mind. Uh, and we then need to talk about anger. Kevin. Have you seen that movie? We need to talk about Kevin. That's a fucked up movie, dude. It's intense. Is it like spun? No, this one's more. This was. We need to talk about Kevin's about. Uh, I think he's the parent, and they're dealing with a kid that basically went out and um, did a school shooting or something like that. He used, mm. Except he used crossbow, bros and arrows. Some dude. It's a crazy movie. Uh, but yeah, dude, like you look at John C. Riley, and I mean, up until this point, he hadn't done a funny haha movie. No, no silly comedies, not like that. But then Anger Management, you know, the next year and Talladega Nights, where he was supporting to Will Ferrell. Yeah. And at that, and that point, was it's just like, all right, you've, you've leveled up twice. Yeah. You know, Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, Walk Hard, Step Brothers, which, you know. Yeah. A okay there, but, but dude, you know, but just... to see him in this role, right? He plays mm-hmm. the Irish cop. First, he plays, you know, you see him in the caverns with like a fur pelt on it. He looks like he's a barbarian, dude, mm-hmm. right? And then later on, he's a he's a cop, and he fits it too. He looks just like like he just looks like he fits that character, that that type of character. And I'll give you this: he held on to his accent. His accent held, and it was good for for me. It sounded great. But it was weird though too. It was like, what kind of like? I we all watched it in in the Sean household, and I just looked over and said, "What accent is that?" It's like I, I don't know. Granted, there are 50, 48 contiguous United States in the Union, yeah. And just in my state alone, there are seven, yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you, back then you're talking here in this area where all the immigrants came through, so you, there's. 
I mean, a plethora of accents. And then they all start to mix. You start mm-hmm. being around people so long, you start to ha- you know pick up on certain lingo, the way you pronounce certain syllables and, and vowels. And after a while, you, you speak just like them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it is kind of cool to see that too, is to see the, the change in accents. Because then when you listen to the natives talk, right, they had a little bit more of a drawl in the way they talk. And, and mm-hmm. you could hear almost that beginnings of what everyone calls the New York accent, right? You know what they had was vocal fry. But what? Vocal what fry. What's that? Uh, if you don't, uh, uh, oh, jeez, I can't even imagine why I'm telling you this. Vocal fry has become a famous, th- uh, not a famous thing, uh, very polarizing. Influencers do it. Okay. What the hell is this? Um, I'm surprised. Uh, so you're surprised I don't know it because I'm such an influencer. Well, that too, yeah. Uh, you're a businessman, not an influencer. So, well, I'll tell you this, um, brother. You know what? We'll talk about this off air. But talk about influencing, dude. We were doing something way back in the day, back issues days that they're bringing up around now. And I'm like, hey, 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 we did that. You are the Ren and Stimpy of your of your industry, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> way before your time. So, vocal fry is, um, <clears throat> uh, vocal fry is. I'm going to ask, I'm going to use it and I'm going to, I will give you an example and then I will explain it. I'm going to ask you a question. What are you doing? And I will put vocal fry at the end. It's always at the end of the sentence. Okay. What are you doing? Uh, Oh, I hate that. Yeah. You just did it too. And I I, I absolutely despise like. (laughs) That's uh, a thing. To quote Dane Cook. It's the sound that makes me want to punch babies. That's a thing, though. They do that on purpose. They do it on purpose, probably so much that it has become normal. And also, almost like I'm out of breath. inflection. Remember yeah, that I'm, shit? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. You remember what uh, we were talking about? Yeah. I'm still out of breath inflection? from doing it just a moment ago. <laughs> you have to hold your breath and let it out slowly. Man, it's so exhausting just to do it, for, just to have done it for that one sentence. I don't know, dude. I just feel like. So you're thinking that's what's help happening here in terms of the the accents, losing it on and off. It's just kind of like a vocal fry thing. Maybe I don't. I forget the point I was trying to make. That was so long ago. Because Such I'm probably a, so inf- infuriated uh, about it. Stop it. I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> Dude, let's go on. Uh, okay, so the guy that you said that kicked in the door that had the giant mallet, right? Brendan mm-hmm. Gleason. Um. If you look at this guy, you'll recognize him. He's been in in a, in a bunch of movies. Um, AI. He was an AI. He's also Alistair Moody in the Harry Potter films. If you're a Harry Potter fan, he was in Troy. Um, Twenty eight days later in Bruges. He's in a lot of movies. A lot of a lot of British films as well, and and foreign films. Makes sense because he's from that portion of the world. He won an Emmy in 2009 for his portrayal of Winston Churchill in the television film Into the Storm. In this film, he plays he plays basically a guy that says, you know what, I'll, I'll fight for whoever pays me the most. Or who, if, if it's going to help me, I'll fight for them. And so, you know, the priest, Liam Neeson, says, we'll pay you this much. He says, all right, let's go. And he goes out there and fights with them. Later, when DiCaprio comes back, he finds that this guy is kind of like, not like that anymore he's he's moved on he's his own kind of he's keeping to himself to stay out of trouble is really until what it's... until dicaprio's like look we, we need somebody that can uphold the law politicians mm-hmm. are crooked we want you to run for mayor and he's like all right i'll go for it 
And Bill Butcher's like, no, you won't. And he's like, yeah, I will. Bill Butcher's like, well, then I'll kill you. And he's like, no, why don't you just come in and we'll talk? And Bill Butcher's like, sure. And then stabs him in the back and chops him up in front of everyone. It's just like, all right, who's going to do something now? Mm-hmm. Move on, right? Um, I like this guy. I like him. I think he's a good actor. And he's got, again, he held that accent because I, I believe he's British, right? Is he a British Irish. actor? Irish. He's a, so he is Irish. Go. He's got the Irish. Um, got the Irish in him. Here's uh, Dublin. This this speaks to, if you listen to other shows from the network, um, you will find that, I, and you do, Chris, because you edit most of them, some of them. Uh, this one, you will know exactly what I'm referring to. He played, a, he did a voice in 2012 for a, uh, like a CG, oh, it's a, a British American 3D stop motion animated swashbuckler comedy film. Uh, the Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists. What's That's a sentence. And he plays the character Pirate with Gout. <laughs> That's amazing. I feel like that has to be a character coming up. I'm going to let them know to throw that in there. Yes, please. Because that, that ha- they have, yes. Pirate with Gout. If, 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 if whenever we watch that movie, for, that has to be something that we do with them. Just for, for accurate, I mean, we have to get the accurate take on it, right? Yeah, right. Um, let's see who else is in this. Stephen Graham. He's a British actor. Uh, he played one of the one of these um, gang members that were part of the Irish crew. That when DiCaprio comes back, mm. I believe he's. I don't know. I don't think he's running it, but he's he's part of the the guys that are that are running it. He's one of the first ones that comes back. That that flips sides, or he yeah. looks like a uh, like a shorter Jeremy Piven. Do you know where I found him, dude? The first time I ever saw him was in. Uh, you ever see the movie Snatch, Guy Ritchie's you know, movie Snatch? I have it, and oh. I've watched the first half, and that's as far as I got. Because... He plays Tommy. He plays the. He plays um. What's his name's right hand man in there? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so just... that's where I know him from. And in this movie, it just feels like he's kind of like that character before he becomes Tommy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not much depth in, in the character that he's playing, but you know, no, he's just a, he's there's once, once they get to that port part of the movie, like it's an hour left in the movie just about. Yeah. And, and there's not much character development after that. There's just a building of the armies. Yeah. Uh, Henry Thomas, dude, Henry Thomas plays the character, the grown up character of the younger kid that saves Leonardo DiCaprio in the beginning of the film. When DiCaprio comes back, uh, Henry Thomas is now, he's the guy who's like, hey, I'm the one that saved you, remember? And then later on, he's like, he goes to Bill the Butcher and is like, hey, by the way, I'm going to I'm gonna snitch on my friend. He's planning on killing you. This is Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas is a very well-known actor. Um, I think for our generation and older, they'll always know him for, as E.T. He was Elliot in E.T. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to say, and you know who exactly who yeah. he is. Um, except for people who have never seen E.T., like Anthony. Um, he was in fire in the sky. You need to fire him as your friend. <laughs> He's also in Dr. Sleep, 2019's Dr. Sleep, the, mm. the sequel to The Shining. Um, I heard it wasn't that good. I didn't see it. You know, I haven't seen it, so I'm not sure. But uh, Henry Thomas, he does a good job in this movie. I like, see, that's what I'm saying. You can have an actor who can take a role and play it a certain way. So all of a sudden it's, 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 it's good. There's some sort of depth to it. Like you see the way Cameron Diaz played this one character and then you see the way, you know, Henry Thomas plays a character and it's two different kinds of, I don't know for this one, Henry Thomas's character. I could see that kind of like 
nervousness about him that, you know, you can't really trust him. He's going to turn yeah. on you to, to save himself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you were uneasy on where his allegiances actually were. And you could see that he was getting jealous. And because, you know, here's a subplot. Cameron Diaz was all about Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. and not Elliot from E.T. And he, Elliot he wanted like, some of that. He could have been like, hey, I'm Elliot from E.T. And she's like, I'm married from something about Mary. And what? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to do about this? But like, you're right. So the jealous, okay. It's, it's, it's a not woman much. tearing two it's, friends it's, apart. It's visual. You have to see it on the face. There's nothing uh, happening. In turn, and he pulls it off. Well, and she works at an opium den slash whorehouse. <laughs> he brings her the music box and he gets turned away and she's like, he's all, but that's what I'm saying, dude, he, the, to, to be able to pull that off and, and get it right away. Like I totally felt that kind of that sinking feeling, that feeling of jealousy, that feeling of being like, kind of like really hurt that she, she passed on him and he does it all just she with a look on, on his face. Yes. But she passed on him at the dance thing, whatever. Yeah at the Midsommar dance thing where she became the Midsommar queen. Yeah. So this is a prequel. And, Obviously. And then, and then he, uh, um, uh, Amsterdam rebuffs her toward, you know, at the end of the evening. And then you see, you see her with what's his face, uh, you know, with, with Johnny. Mm -hmm. And then you see at the opium den, she's in bed with, with, with Amsterdam again. And Johnny's in the doorway, like a pervert watching for longer than he should have. Right. Uh, it's like, dude, you pretty much have a good idea of what's going on in there. It's a whorehouse. Right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, th I think that's that's one way that I can really say why I feel impressed with certain actors and ones mm -hmm. where I feel like they're, they're eh, you know, because something like that. You could see Henry Thomas just kind of give you that feeling. Meanwhile, Without got, words. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have Cameron Diaz for all the time we do with all the dialogue she has and the backstory they tried to put in there. And it still didn't feel it like there was nothing there for me. Mm -hmm. um, dude, I saved for me. I saved the best for last, man. Mm -hmm. Daniel Day Lewis. Dude. OK, so immediately this dude is already known as that actor. He's the actor's actors. He's a very method actor. When he acts and he takes on a role, he becomes that role for a while. Mm -hmm. One of the things I saw about this film back in the day when I was a, a fan of it, I was, you know, when it first came out, I was a huge fan. I read up about it and, and I read more about Daniel Day-Lewis. I was like, who's this guy playing this character? I love this guy, right? I found out that when he took on the role of the butcher, he was the butcher all the time on off camera. And there's a story that was told that uh, he's in the, at the beginning, right before filming one day there, they had like these bicycle things in this little gym area. And he's in there on the bikes, you know, just getting a workout in. And Liam Neeson walks in and it's Liam Neeson. He's not, he's, he's in a tank top, you know, shorts. He's going to work out. He's not in, in, in costume. And he looks at him and he's like, Martin priest. And it's just like the whole time treated Neeson with like res respect, but with like disdain, like mm -hmm. constantly would talk to him with this, like disgust in his voice and like off camera cameras aren't rolling and he stays this way because this is the kind of actor he is. Right. And when you want to talk about seeing somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio, and I don't care what you put him in, put him in some new clothes. He's still Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. You put Daniel day Lewis in this character. And I did not, you don't see Daniel day Lewis at all. Mm -hmm. you well, see he does, he does a little bit of a, a little bit of a change physically still, as well. 
the voice, the mannerisms, the everything about this character. It's like, holy crap, who, he's a comic book character. Well, and here's the thing. He's Irish and British. So he has an one of those two accents. Yeah. And he does a pretty, well, pretty spot on generic American accent. Yeah. Yeah. From the early, like, right. What we assume would be those early times. Yeah. Feather writer, you know, feather pens and, you know, silly hats. But man, the way he plays this character, you want to talk about chewing up scenes. The dude chewed up the movie. He literally took the movie, chewed it up and blew a bubble with it. It was mm-hmm. insane. I For me, the performance, the top performance for me, maybe even for some, for many movies, like not even just in this movie, like there's a lot of movies I could go to and say, this performance blows that out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now question for you. You said you saved the best for last. You, you missed <laughs> there's one. There's no way you think someone was better. No, but Daniel you missed one. Day. Who's that? Uh, Boss Tweed. Jim Broadbent. Oh, Lest the we guy forget, who Boss Tweed, yes. The chief inspector from Hot Fuzz. Oh, he is the chief inspector. I did mm-hmm. not put two and two together, dude. Danny Butterman's a, dad. And again, he plays so Boss Tweed, a legit historical political figure, very mm-hmm. well known for being corrupt at the time, Tammany Hall. Um, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he does a good job. He does a good Boss Tweed. But Different no if it was dude, Boss Hog. No one's going to top Daniel Day, man. No, no, I'm not saying that, but you did miss one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It was a quick footnote. Yeah, I was so excited to get to this, this up. performance. Just put, put, that, put that at the beginning. Put I'll put this at the very end. We're going to just like at the very Oh, you know what? By the way, as we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I forgot something 35 minutes ago. But yeah, dude, Daniel Day-Lewis, I don't, I don't know, man. I can't. <sighs> well, and here's the thing. Like the... The, te- the like the the feeling the tense the tense feeling that you get when watching him on screen with anybody you know when he's putting on that belt that's got more knife sheaths than batman has utility pockets yeah you know it's it's ridiculous like okay he's got the drop leg ones you know the ones that go around the knee he's got the ones that go you know and, and on the belt they sit at different lengths too it's like okay dude you're a little crazy to end of that sentence <laughs> <laughs> When you were done, though, right? When you were done with this movie, like you watch this with the with everybody, or was it just you? You okay? The whole family. What was the what was the reaction to this character? Because I remember when we talked about warriors, you were telling me that uh, you kept hearing, "That's not a very nice man. <laughs> That's not a very nice man." Like, what was the reaction to this character? Because he comes across almost gentlemanly, like there are rules and we have to follow rules, but mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I, I appreciate the first part of that mantra is uh, very, very accurate. You know uh, there I mean? are rules. We must follow them. Uh, the, the whole killing part, that, that's, by the way, <laughs> hot take, not part of my deal. Uh, but the, yeah, the, uh, the response was just like, oh my, oh, oh that was close. <laughs> like when he's throwing the knives at, oh, yeah. at uh, Candace. Oh. I almost said Candace Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Diaz, yeah. Yes, geez, that's a, again a wholly different movie. Um, oh, I could see wow. the six degrees of separation there, though. It's Leonardo just, DiCaprio, Kurt Cameron, Candace. Cam- I get it. It's only three. Um, but yeah, but no, dude. it was just a lot of exclamations, like under the breath, like "Oh, oh, he almost hit her. That was close. That's not nice." Things like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. For me, I'm anytime I say I tell somebody to check out this movie, I'm like, wait till you see this performance, dude. This performance is just something else. I don't know. There's something about that character that I just I get. I get. I get. 
I don't know. I love it. Freaking love that character. He's yeah. a horrible person, but geez Louise, the way Car- uh, Daniel Day-Lewis plays him is just like, I don't know. He looks They're, good too. It looks amazing. Well, and it almost looks like he could, like if you put on a blue coat with gold buttons, a double-breasted coat, and a hat with a gigantic bubble on the top, he could play Captain Crunch. <laughs> And he could pull it off too. And you would take it as the most dangerous Captain Crunch on the high seas, dude. It'd be like, what if Captain Crunch was just, he's like, mutiny. I'll show you a mutiny. Yeah. Uh, dude, it was insane. I love this character. And, and for me, this is, this is what really helps elevate this movie. It really does. It's the does. portrayal of the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. acted his ass off. Uh, all right, dude, let's move on. Let's move on to the soundtrack. It was different because you got, we got score and we got score that had, you know, the, that kind of sound from the early days, the, the maybe Irish and maybe some British, you know, influence that, that kind of folk, you know, sound in the music in the score. But then we also got like YouTube 300 style backing music during the battles, right? Like it was like all of a sudden eclectic pop basically yeah something like a like a driving type music or you know something that's like okay something from the 2000s (laughs) yeah this is an energetic scene so we have to get our energy up as well which that part makes sense it just felt weird to me because i was like why wouldn't we use like like score like still use an orchestra right orchestral kind of like that intense battle stuff because you hear it in all the movies go you know go check out any peter jackson's movies you know you're you're seeing you know these big battles happening on you know lord of the rings and it's orchestral and and you can make it sound super intense it was a really weird decision for scorsese to be like you know what this needs this needs electronic music let's get some electronic music in on this let me get a beat somebody drop a beat for me Crystal Method was, or was it Crystal Method that was in this soundtrack? Was it? Because it, yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like a, a mix between them, right? No, they weren't in this movie, but uh, Chemical there was, Brothers. Uh, no, no, I'm, <laughs> That's you what know it what? Sounds like, dude. No, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Okay, so I saw Black Widow on Thursday, so I'm thinking because there was, uh, and and we watched the Flash from last week, last night, and it had Prodigy in it, and one of them had some like. Gotcha. remix of crystal method or like um like you gotcha. mentioned the, the but this does brothers. have that feel it has that kind of crystal method the music kicks in out of nowhere mm-hmm. and i'm like what you know like i didn't remember this i mean maybe when i watched it before i was cool with it because i wasn't really paying attention to that piece but i mean this time around i was like eh, that kind of threw me off dude doesn't sound like it works i mean it does uh, fit okay but it doesn't fit with the whole historical feel to the film what was what threw me off the most was the U2 song over the credits. I'm like, well, this, I mean, I get it. They're Irish and they're showing the, the entrance of the Irish still, into dude. Still, yeah, you're right. That's like, pretty that's, funny, man. That's a long way to get there from, I mean, it, it, it all fit, I think for what they were for the tone and, and tenor of the scene and the, the, the action that may have been taking place mm-hmm. or the emotional response, but it was very peculiar i guess to say the least yeah definitely definitely uh they did use uh, a lot of kind of um 
mid like the mid century kind of the mid 19th century ballads and stuff from the irish like there were a lot of times there was one scene where there's a woman walking through the streets and she's singing an irish ballad right that part was weird too by the way just like this woman just parading around singing songs but it's how they worked songs in not unlike when they were in the bars and people were singing drinking songs right right the only song missing homework i need to hear someone put into a bar scene the Sylvester Stallone, Dolly Parton duet. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I know it's that. A, I don't know the name of the song. I know a, what you're talking about. It's a song called Drinkenstein. Oh God! It is. <laughs> it Just is. Put it into this scene. Wild. Yes. <laughs> where they go in initially to pay tribute to where where Amsterdam and Johnny go yeah. in to pay tribute, which also plot. Going back to the plot. Here's a, yeah. here's another Sean thing. Let's go back to the couple sections ago. Where do you get your tribute money paid to you? Where everybody goes. You go and take hold of the back table in an Irish bar because you run the show. Yeah. Yeah. And people have to, people come there anyway. If they come in, they have to, they have to pay tribute to you. That's where all the bad guys do it, dude. You got to do, you get the table at the back of the bar and that's Mm -hmm. where everybody comes and gives you your money. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the music, it was, um, it fits in a lot of the places, but then there are just those times for me, it kind of throws it off for me. I'm just kind of like, this is, doesn't the sound wo- right for me. Yeah. And the woman singing in public, I mean, weird people do that. So, I mean, in 2020, maybe back then they did, right? Yeah. Maybe, you know, I mean, it's during battles, during gang fights, she's just kind of walking through the gang fight singing. And was ballads. it a way to, yeah, and was it a way to, to signify a change of scene or a change of right. perspective? Yeah, it's just a weird kind of way to throw it in. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say on the music? No, I wouldn't buy it though. <laughs> I wouldn't buy the soundtrack. I mean, it was it was. Eh. Yeah, it's nothing to play again. Uh, let's yeah. go into the effects, special effects. A lot of blood. A lot of a lot of practical effects happening here. Uh, some yes there were definitely some you know cg you know the the glass oh, eye man. the 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 war eagle on on do you feel the glass eye was cg you don't think daniel day lewis actually not that he got a glass eye but maybe put um you know a contact over that had that look to it he did tap it with a knife now the sound effect i could see that as as happening as, as that as that you know um obviously the cg we have in terms of what new york looks like from the air right manhattan mm-hmm. as we're pulling away yeah and a lot of the the war stuff you know the cannons firing and and I mean, the cannons you can do practical but you know with the way it the way it hits the buildings pretty much going to go out on a limb and say they didn't collapse an entire city block area <laughs> yeah uh, no i don't uh, think unless so. it was you know set for demolition anyway like lethal weapon four yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but, you know, and then again, when we see that at the end, when it's building the city up, that's all CG and it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, in terms of what we're looking at here is a lot of practical effects for blood and gore because it's gangs, it's gangs, it's gang fighting. You're seeing broken limbs. You're seeing blood flying everywhere, slashes, stabbings, cutting um, the fake pig. I don't know. Was that a real pig or a fake pig that they had hollowed out hanging there? Probably it was probably just like a rubber pig because i mean i could see daniel day lewis being like if i'm gonna do this scene you got to go to the butcher and bring in the pig because i'm gonna do it the right way you know what i mean he is the butcher though chris yeah exactly um my money is on it wasn't a real pig because PETA. i wouldn't go i mean i wouldn't put it past him to have learned how to butcher for the role 
Well, he uh, he did. Uh, I think what his last role was where he was a shoe maker, like a cobbler, or was that Adam Sandler? And that's a weird thing to mistake. No, 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 no. It wasn't even that. Daniel Day Lewis didn't do a role as a cobbler. I believe he has retired from acting to become a cobbler. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right, dude. I mean, let the dude do what he wants, man. He knows he's. When you see a performance like that, you let him do what he wants. Is this like a Joaquin Phoenix thing? <laughs> yeah, basically, right? No, dude. Um, yeah, overall, though, in terms of there's nothing in this effects-wise that takes me out that goes, mm-hmm. wait, hang on. No, it's you know? it's if it if it was fake or CG, it yeah. was definitely very well done. Yeah, or you knew it was. Like you're watching the building of New York before your eyes. Obviously, that's not real, you know? Yeah. So uh cool. All right, dude. Let's get into Right. Let's 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 get into grading this film. Let's get into our final thoughts and giving our rating. We're gonna do this out of five patriotic glass eyes. I dig it. And uh, I'm gonna let you go first. This is your first time seeing this film. So, as far as the the plot goes, it's very dense. It's a Scorsese film. It's got a lot of different overlapping, um, you know, themes and motifs, but also characters with different plots and subplots. Some interweave. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a fair amount of, of, uh, deception. It's this movie spans a lot of time and that's a very obvious, it's obvious to tell when we're at the beginning in 1846. And then when we move forward 16, 15, 16 years later, um, you know, we find out and we uncover, which we didn't even talk about why they celebrate the ending of the dead rabbits, why they're called that. And the fact that they're not allowed to say the name anymore, um, you know, and, and, you know, you, you see the progression of characters. There's a lot of character development as far as, you know, who Amsterdam is, who he becomes, why, why he does the things he does and why some of the other people do that as well. Uh, the, so, uh, and the acting is just superb. I mean, it's got a, you know, it's got a, you know, a lot there, at least half of the actors are highly decorated. They're one, you know, they're great, you know, the, you know, so, so and, and they did a very believable job, um, you know, d- and down to the, the, um, the details, like when they boxed the, the way that they were boxing in the bar, or, yeah. or I guess it was more of a street fight. It was, it was putting up the Dukes and, you know, leaning back and they didn't quite have footwork like they do now. Footwork mm-hmm. technology was not, um, overhauled at this point uh so i thought that was uh, you know very accurate very attention to detail uh as well um the the uh so the plot the acting i think i thought were all solid uh really solid soundtrack you know we just talked about it left a little bit to be desired but it wasn't overwhelming and the mix uh, i got this on amazon the mix was not overpowering you know i could hear the the dialogue um and not be overshadowed by the music um, unless it was in a setting where the music was expected and supposed to be loud. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take one notch off on the acting because there were some questionable things. We've talked about them already. I'm going to take one notch off there. Um, the effects, the sound design, the sound production, all that, uh, again, were all, uh, I think they were all, you know, great. Um, you know, so uh, and, and this movie has had some cultural impact. Uh, I mean, it's one of the movies that it didn't set up Leonardo DiCaprio, but it I think it further propelled him. Yeah, uh, obviously, it put Liam Neeson more on the map. And, you know, we it, clearly it made Jim Broadbent 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, some of the, I mean, you got to see Elliot from E.T. yet again. And uh, I thought he was great uh, in it, you know, so you, you got to see a, a reintroduction uh, or a, you got to see some, and you got to see some people level up as well. John C. Riley went on to do other things that were not this serious. Um, so, uh, you know, the, you know, overall, I think this is a great movie. Uh, I will definitely watch this again at some point soon. Uh, it is long. It's not over long. Uh, I did check the time right around the time, right around the, uh, the moment in the movie where Amsterdam is uh, left for everyone to see, you know, he, an example is made of him. Cause that's when you're like, Oh, th- we must be coming to the end now. Like this is the big scene coming up yeah. and then, Oh wait, there's more coming. 60% through the movie at that point. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but I do think that a lot of the additional character development after that is, is really well done. Although the ending I thought was a little, it seemed like it was, there was too much going on. And if that's historically accurate, okay, I get it. But it seems like it was almost, it's like, oh, who would win if Superman fought Hyperion or if Batman fought somebody, you know, somebody from Marvel. I I can't even think of his counterpart. Um, Moon Knight. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, there's always a cop out. Well, Muhammad Ali could beat Superman if they were underneath a red sun or a yellow sun, which it's a red sun. Yeah. yeah. It's like you have to put a caveat in there. And it's like eh, the, Bill is older. Why can't he lose to the air, the guy that was set up as the heir apparent? So, you know, all that said, I have to go. I mean, it was a solid movie. Watch it again. But I have to say it's like uh, four, I go four and a quarter on this one, four, two, five. Uh, I would agree with you. I'd go with the 4.25 as well. 4.25 patriotic glass eyes a lot for what you said there. I think for me, you know, this would have actually been lower and it's not to speak badly about it. It's an, I like the film. I like the history behind it. I love, you know, I love the story. I I do enjoy the performances. Um, but I do feel like there's a lot that could have been taken out for it to not be this long. You know, it wasn't needed in the film. There was a lot of stuff that was just kind of like, okay, we get what you're doing here. Let's move on now. Let's be a little bit more concise and listen to me telling Marty how to make a movie. Let's be a little more concise here, Marty. All right. You don't have to do all this. Uh, But, you know, it's it it was a good film. It probably would have just been straight four and not a 4.25 if not for Daniel Day-Lewis. This Mm -hmm. dude just, I mean, for me. They should have just called this movie Bill the Butcher because it was I want to see a movie about Bill the Butcher and just that, you know, Um, it was a he just puts in this this performance that just blows me away. And it's my absolute favorite performance of his Um, music. You know, again, the music fits that I get thrown off with when when all of a sudden it feels like, you know, the Chemical Brothers are coming on. But overall, it's not too bad, you know, you know, but then you get then you get Cameron Diaz, dude. And you're just like, eh. like, I feel like you, you could have gotten another actress in there and really done a much better, like had a better performance. You know, why did they get what's her name? Who was who used to be married to um, Tom Cruise back in the day? She's Irish. She's Australian. I thought she was Irish, isn't she? You're she talking play, about Nicole Kidman. Yes, Nicole Kidman. No, she played an Irish when they did when they did Far, far and away. away. Yeah. So why don't we use her, right? She can do it. And I feel like she would have probably put in a better performance. But, you know, again, it is what it is. We got what we have. And Cameron Diaz was a really big name 
in the 2000 time frame. But too. only because of her looks. There's it's it's not because of any performance she put on screen. Trust me, it's not she, any acting. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't know if she's blonde by birth, but you know, I, I think if if you're looking for someone, yeah, there are definitely traditional, real, I, yes. real yes. Irish women, you know, yes. Irish born that could be who pulled it off. They might have to dial it back a little bit. Yeah, but then you see, but we're talking Martin Scorsese, and Scorsese is going to use top billing names. You know, you're not going to see a Scorsese film with all no-name actors. That's just never going to happen. So he's going to fill it with people who are names, and you're right. At this time, Cameron Diaz is in the stratosphere, right? Like, she is up there in terms of one of these, the the it girls to get in Hollywood. So I can see why he, he you know, he hired her. For me, it doesn't work. But it's still a good film. It's still enough to to break it over four. So four point two five. I agree. That's Gangs of New York. Sean, what are we doing next week? So next week we're going to round out our gang theme um, for with a um, I think an aptly uh, a, a very specific accurate look uh, in the nineteen ninety three film A Bronx Tale. What's this? What's what that? Where'd you get this? Your mother found this behind your drawer. It's mine that I've been saving, Dad. Six hundred dollars you've been saving? What'd you become a brain surgeon overnight, son? Tell your father where you got the money. Dad, I worked for it. Doing what? Things. Things? What do you mean things? What things? All things, no things. Hey, don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth, and I won't get upset. You promise? I'm your father. Would I say it if I didn't mean it? I woke the crap games and the class gave me tips. Crap games? What crap games? What crap games? What tips? What crap games? I told you I wasn't going to get upset, Dad. I lied. Now tell me everything. I told you I worked for Sony and they gave me tips. I knew it. Weren't you told a thousand times not to go near that bar? But, Ma, I worked for it. Well, what do you mean you worked for it? You're not supposed to be in that bar. I'm taking this money back. I'm bringing it right back down to the bar. Well, let's just think about this for a minute. What do you mean, think about? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, we could use the money. It's not okay to do something, man. We could use it, man. We already have it. Point. You know where this money comes from. I don't want it to have that kind of just money. Just listen to me for a minute. Let's just think about this. That's it. Come on. Wait a minute. Oh. Listen to me. Lorenzo, please. Why do you got to go down like this? Calm down. Lorenzo. I love this movie right away. I'm telling you right now. It's, and I've seen it so many times. It's not like, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses type thing. Mm-hmm. I do. I really enjoy this movie. And it's going to be cool to see what you think. And it was was it, it was you, right? You were telling me this was actually based on Chaz Parliamentary's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I a, didn't know that. It was that. a play before that. Well, my man, a one-man show. Yeah, I didn't know that. So I'm excited to watch that again with that kind of view in mind. All right, let's get out of here, dude. Let's finish up the show. What else? What do you have to say to the people before we head out? Um, be smart, be safe, be, um, you know, don't take things too seriously. But also, if someone asks you to do something, just in general, be polite about it. and Maybe help, some, help out your fellow man and help everybody be a little more comfortable in today's day and age. There you go. Also, make sure to head over to the website, BICBP-radio.com. Check out some of our other shows on the network. Yeah, other do that first. That, yeah, do that first, then, you know, be nice to people. Uh, but as always, wear your mask. Are we saying that still? Yeah, we're still saying wear your mask. There's deltas out there. There's other variants out there now. There's Well, I mean, else. considering that Japan just said no, not Japanese uh, spectators at the Olympics. Yeah, shut 
down. Yes. So uh, I think it's not a bad idea to have a mask with you at all times. Yeah. Put on your mask and unsilence your phones. 